Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey. And I'm Aubrey, and we're so thrilled that you're with us here today. We have a very cool guest yeah. by the name of Scott Sauls. You yep. may have heard of him. He's a senior mm-hmm. pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. He's uh, the author of not one, not two, <laughs> not even three, but five books, by oh, the way. He's also goodness. a speaker at That's conferences, prolific. leadership retreats. I know, five, five books. Five books. So you Who and I, time for this? as writers, we're, that's just... That's like goals. Hashtag goals is yes, what it is. Yes, hashtag you know? goals. Wow. One, one of these days, our bios are going to say the author of five books. <laughs> You're getting close. You're getting close. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm getting close. You're right. And Scott, um, the other thing about Scott is he has a really uh, tremendous story of, of childhood pain, anxiety, yeah. depression, things that he blogs about quite um, vulnerably on his blog, but he also shares with us today on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Yeah. So I, listeners, you're going to be really encouraged by him. Yeah, I've just recently kind of been turned on to some of his work and reading some of the stuff about childhood trauma, reading some of the stuff about anxiety and depression. And, you know, obviously in the space that we're in, Aubrey, in helping people through trauma, helping people mm-hmm. understand and untangle their trauma. Um, it's been, it's been really helpful to read his stuff and to follow along with him. And I was just so delighted that we were able to have a conversation with him. And so um, I know listeners, you're going to have a, you're going to have a blast listening to this. I know it's going to be very healing as well. Um, as we listen to him. And so uh, if you would, would you go and rate and review the podcast at Apple Podcasts? If this is if this episode or any of our episodes are ministering to you, we'd love to hear about it. Aubrey, I think you have a review that you're going to read. I do. I love reading Excited reviews. About this. this is a short one, but a very, very sweet one. Here's what it says. I've endured much tragedy, disappointment, and trauma the last few years. Mm-hmm. This podcast gives me hope for the future and lets me know I'm not alone. Wow. When you say that's the goal right that's there, the I mean, that's why we do what we that do here at the, the Nothing goal. Is Wasted Ministry podcast. Yep. And so I love, thank you to whoever posted this for taking wow. the time to do it. And um, yeah, this is why we do what we do. Hope for the future. And we want to know that we want you listeners to know that you're not you're alone. Not alone. Yeah, it's so good. Stick around afterwards. Uh, Aubrey and I are going to have some conversation about my conversation with Scott. And uh, it's it's going to be um, it's going to be good. So you're going to want to make sure that you stick around for that. So let's go ahead and dive into this conversation I have with Scott Sauls. Scott, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Good being with you, David. Man, I would just <laughs> appreciate yes. the invitation. <laughs> It's all right. It's a, you know, it, for some reason, the nickname just stuck. I couldn't even, I couldn't get rid of it. My, I tried doing that in college and nobody seemed to want to call me David. So it's a great that is what it is. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm so excited about having this conversation because, you know, you, your work on particularly the topics of anxiety and depression is, is prolific. I mean, there's so many of us that some of my team that we're diving into your writing all the time and we're listening to you. And, and so I'm just, I'm honored that we get to sit down and have a conversation and bring some of your voice to our community. Um, because I know a lot of people are dealing with this right now. 
But I would love, in case some of our community doesn't know who Scott Stalls is, would you give us just a little context for who you are, maybe a little bit about your family, what you do, where you live? Sure. So uh, my family, I'm married to Patty, uh, and we have been married now for uh, just over 26 years. And um, we have two daughters. Uh, oldest is Abby. She's uh, now out of college working in Atlanta, Georgia area with a nonprofit there and getting married this coming March, March 26th. So we're really excited about that. And our youngest daughter, Ellie, is 19 years old and a sophomore at Auburn University. And for the last almost 10 years, I've been serving as senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, where we came by way of New York City, where I was uh, on the team as a preaching and congregational pastor with Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Uh, some of your listeners may have heard of Tim Keller. He was the mentor and, and uh, uh, had the privilege of, of serving uh, uh, alongside Tim for those five years before coming here. And um, yeah, so Christ Pres is a multi-site church around Nashville. We've got four different locations, and um, I've also sort of stumbled into uh, a side thing of, of being uh, what I call an accidental author. I've, I've actually published five books, and, and there'll be a, a sixth coming out uh, this coming June, uh, and that's all in the last uh, 10 years that we've been here in Nashville, so so writing has become part of what I get to do. And, and that's been a, you know, a fun part of, of, you know, a, a addition to the ministry that, that we've had for a couple of decades before that. So, um, anyway, excited to be wow. with you, Debbie, and, um, uh, just so appreciate how you're stewarding your story and your, your own personal pain to, to help others uh, draw nearer to Christ as you most certainly have in, in your own story. And, um, I've, I've benefited, you know, from, from, uh, learning both from you here in the conversation before the recording and also before we actually met here, um, have benefited from how God's worked in your life and continues to work. So, um, big fan of, of you and, and what you're up to. Wow. Thank you, man. That that means a, a ton to me. I really do appreciate that. I, I probably should start with the most important question before we dive into things, and that is, given your daughter is now at Auburn University, please tell me you have not flipped to the dark side. You're not a well, Tigers what? fan, are you? <laughs> hey, I got to be. That's, More that's, Eagle? That's, no. you know, a big, big part of my heart is down there, and 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 uh, uh, and a you know tuition goes there too. So that's so, yeah, true. I'm, that's true. I'm I guess in. You have I'm to. in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in Alabama, and I'm a diehard Tide fan. So all right, all right, <laughs> we can agree to disagree on some things. All right, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, I'm I'm not that zealous. I, I I won't I won't unfriend you because of that. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one of the things, and we talk about this all the time on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, that despite differences as trivial as sports teams or as you know maybe mo monstrous differences between people as you come across in life, one common denominator is pain. We all experience pain. We all um, have gone through difficult things and, and, you know, you're no exception. You've gone through um, quite uh, several valleys in your life and you're very public about those. And so I would love to just dive into some of that. If you can just story with us and share some of the difficult things that, that you've walked through, particularly some of these things that, that led you into a very intense battle with anxiety and depression. 
So not all of my suffering and pain over the years is, is directly connected to um, my anxiety and depression, at least not in, in a way that I'm aware of, but, yeah. but um, in, in a lot of ways they are, they do intersect. And so, um, you know, I, I am a, a trauma and abuse survivor from some things that happened to me uh, in my childhood. Uh, and uh, actually have just in the past three years started to really drill down into that. Um, never, um, you know, really lived with sort of front center awareness uh, of the degree to which I experienced, um, you know, unique levels of, of abuse in childhood uh, mm. and, and of pain and how that sort of sets certain trajectories in terms of how you respond to the world yeah. uh, when you're out on your own. And so, so we're doing the work and have been doing the work there for the last three years. And it's been very eye-opening. And um, uh, my counselor has also gotten me um, connected with a, a therapist who does uh, this, this trauma treatment called EMDR, which I, mm -hmm. I highly recommend, you know, consideration for your listeners that... Yeah that have experienced trauma in any way, shape, or form. It's been very effective and helpful for me for what that's worth. Um, but it all started in childhood. And, I, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, a handful of, of uh, heartbreaks, probably the most significant one happened when I was in my early 20s, uh, a couple of years out of college. Like you, Davey, I, I lost... Uh, a spouse, um, mm. um, but it was it was a different set of circumstances. Four months into the marriage, she had announced that uh, she was in relationship with with another woman, and wow. um, and so that you know sort of rocked my world. I was yeah, uh, enrolled sure. to start seminary the next year, and and uh, you know she was she was actually studying herself at a seminary, um, and 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 so it was it was. Uh, Wow. A very dark, confusing, disorienting season, uh, and um, so that spent. You know, that took about three or four years to to sort of move past. And you know, thankfully, Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, you know, welcomed me there as a as a single student. And some of the professors there really surrounded me and you know helped me locate the purpose in in what had happened and, yeah. uh, and helped me learn how to steward my own story, uh, to comfort others, you know, as second Corinthians yeah. talks about, we, we pass on the comfort to others who are, are struggling with the same comfort that we've received from Christ. And so I think that those two experiences, uh, you know, my childhood and then, and then that unexpected loss, um, I think gave me a, a compassion that, uh, you know, for sufferers and yeah. for um, those who are going through hard seasons that have enabled me to show up in ways that, that I think um, generally are more helpful <laughs> than hurtful. Uh, you know, yeah. we, we really need to learn how to show up well for people who are suffering. And sometimes that means we have to go through hard things ourselves in order to be prepared so that we can empathize and that sort of thing. But, yeah. um, you know, an another one is, is more subtle, and that is that I, I grew up in a pretty... Um, you know, well-to-do environment, and had a bit of an Ecclesiastes experience, right? Didn't know, mm, yeah. didn't know God back then, and 
you know, had a lot of, you know, success in academics and athletics and, and other things and, you know, never, never lacked anything and just never was happy uh, until, mm. until I met Christ uh, toward the end of my time in college. And so, so, yeah, those are probably the three main shaping things from younger in life. And then, as you know, as a pastor, uh, I've been a pastor for, for almost 30 years and <laughs> that, that comes with its own peaks and valleys right. as well. So, right. um, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like you could almost have an entire, an entire podcast on pastoral ministry pain, you know, leadership pain, things that you endure that really most of your congregants are never going to be aware of. They're never going to know. Sometimes they're the perpetrators of it, but but yeah. but, but it, you know, and and sometimes they really don't realize or know that. And sometimes it's our own fault that we're kind of self-imposing these things. But yeah, you know, I I as you were talking about. Uh, particularly this instance with, you know, your, your wife leaving you right as you're about to start seminary, I can only imagine that being completely disorienting for, for so many reasons. And maybe you can kind of illuminate that a little bit because there's a lot of listeners who, you know, as I, as I travel and speak, I'll share our story and it is such a horrific loss, you know, the, the way that we lost Amanda. But one of the things I've noticed is that loss through divorce or through some kind of maybe sexual betrayal or adultery is um is a different kind of loss and it's heavy and there are oftentimes people will be like hey uh, you know i know i haven't gone through what you've gone through but and i'm like no 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 no, no stop um because scott i'll tell you this i had a dream uh shortly after amanda was killed that she was divorcing me and that if she fell asleep i was trying to keep her awake if she fell asleep i knew it was done i knew that she would and i woke up feeling all of those feelings of betrayal and abandonment and things that I've heard since communicated about, you know, um, walking through some kind of a divorce. And I'm like, why am I experiencing this? And, and so then I read in Elizabeth Elliott's book, path of loneliness, as she was talking to somebody who had experienced a divorce, she said, I've, I've, I've heard now a pain that's greater than death. Hmm. I wonder well, what your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I would never, um, I, I would never, you know, dare to, you know, compare my experience with, right. with one such as yours. I mean, I, I think it's probably next level when, when the cause of death is murder instead of cancer. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you've got, you've got all of these, um, you know, things that you have to wrestle with, with the, the call to, forgive combined with the the very appropriate and right hunger for justice and the very appropriate anger and hurt that that you must feel you know it's you were betrayed by a stranger yeah. uh who who took the closest person to you away from you uh and you know i i, I would imagine that's a that's a pretty significant um to say the least, trauma yeah. to experience. So I would never experience. I, I would never. I would never compare my experience to yours, um, and say, you know, my my experience was harder than yours. Um, but to your point, the experience of betrayal yeah. by somebody who is close to you uh, in that way and covenanted to you right. is devastating. And and you know. If she had, you know, died of cancer or something, or in a car accident, uh, at least there wouldn't be the trauma that you ha have had to go through of dealing with 
how hurt you've been by a person. <laughs> um, you know, by, by you know, if 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 she dies of of, a, of an illness, um, you know, the anger only anger I have to deal with is toward God, and God can God can take it, right. and and knowing who He is and what He's like, and that He subjected Himself to the greatest yeah. suffering and betrayal in the history of the world. Um, we we know immediately that he understands and empathizes and knows more than we do. So, um, so yeah. I, but but to your point, I, I mean, in my case, I, I would think it would have been easier if if she had died in a car accident than than yeah. than making the choice to leave for another person, mm-hmm. and that included leaving the faith that we shared uh, yeah. as well and wow. and and so, so yeah but it was you know it was 4 months there were no kids and mm-hmm. and you know so so i think i was spared of a lot of deeper pain than mm-hmm. you know folks who go through that after maybe years of being together right. and two or three kids and you know that sort of thing so yeah well, that's such a great, but you know, worked out well. I mean, I, I married <laughs> married yeah. you know my current wife, um, and you know, uh, and we've had a great marriage and great life together, and and God's hands are all over it. So, mm, yeah. Well, it's, it's such a great point for all of us to remember that we really can't compare pain. It's all it's all in different spectrums and different. It's it's so different and distinct, and yet it's so painful for all of us. Our experiences are and. So it's what do we do with that pain that's most important. Um, how did that, you know, as you're going into ministry, how did that color your approach to ministry then? Having gone through some, already some pain and difficulty, you know, I know yeah. that you were, I know that you said that it's only been fairly recently that you become more aware of some of the trauma you experienced as, as a child. But I wonder, you know, as you think about now looking back, going into ministry, whether it colored it for the good, for the bad, gave you kind of in some ways an advantage or disadvantage in, in helping people or having empathy toward people. What, what was your experience like as you stepped into ministry then? Well, I would, I would say that, you know, there's a downside and, and an upside. I've, I've talked a little bit about how, you know, having gone through various experiences of loss and betrayal and suffering, um, you know, provides this, this gift of, of mm-hmm. being able to show up for people who are, experiencing similar things in ways that you wouldn't have been able to show up for them as much or as well had you not gone through the things yourself. Um, But I think on the downside, uh, you know, especially for those who are, you know, sort of awakening to to trauma from childhood or to abuse from childhood, um, you know, I just remember, you know, my wife and I were listening to a podcast uh, just uh, about a week ago and it was an interview with Dan Allender, who's a who's a counselor mm-hmm. and written some really helpful books. Yeah. Uh, and especially about a, a recovering from abuse and and uh, you know he grew up as as an abused child and talks openly about how his mother had borderline personality disorder, which is a mm-hmm. you know a very aggressive you know can be very mean spirited, manipulative. Yeah. Uh, and he grew up with that. He was raised by that and. And he said, you know, on the one hand, it's 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 often trauma in your past that that actually prepares you um, to lead, to 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 fight against injustice, to fight yeah. against 
you know, the dynamics of hurt and pain uh, so that, you know, people will be healed and that sort of thing. So, so there's a real motivating factor of you don't want people to feel what you felt. Right. And so, so you tend to be a fighter. Like C.S. Lewis said, Christianity is a fighting religion. It sees what's wrong in the world and it, wow. it hates what's evil and clings to what is good. Um, but he also said, you know, whenever he got into a conflict for so many years before he was able to do the work and kind of become aware of how his childhood had affected him, and his response to the world. He said anytime he got into a conflict, um, you know, those, those emotions of, of, of how he was treated or that would surface when his mom would, would treat him in the way that she treated him would, would surface. And so yeah. he said, you know, when I looked around and saw conflict in the world, the whole world had borderline personality disorder. And so, so my yeah. internal response was the same to any kind of conflict, um, you know, as it was you know, whenever my mom entered the room when I was a kid. And I, I think that I, I probably would say that's very true as well, that, that my response in conflict mm. um, ha, has been shaped over the years by, you know, the way that I tried to survive, uh, you know, back at a very young age. And you're kind of formed and you have to unravel some of that. And, yeah. um, but, you know, the, the net effect is that you can, you can, you can, you can climb over molehills as if they are mountains. Uh, yeah. and, you know, problems are become much bigger than they actually are when you're affected by some form of, of past trauma that you haven't mm. been able to deal with and receive care for. Wow. Merry Christmas season, friends! We're celebrating early this year at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries by offering 20% off all products from December 16th to December 27th. So if you've been feeling like you wanted to begin your healing journey with the Pain to Purpose course, or you've been wanting to buy the Pain to Purpose devotional for a friend in need, or if you're wanting to take your healing to another level by hiring a Pain to Purpose certified guide, all of these items and more will be 20% off for these 12 days only. This is our version of the 12 days of giving during the Christmas season. Our gift to our Nothing Is Wasted listeners, supporters, and fellow Pain to Purpose journeymen and journeywomen. You guys are the reason why Nothing Is Wasted Ministries exists. We believe that these products are all great gifts for people who are suffering, so we are trying to help get more of them into the hands of people who need them this holiday season. Give the gift of purpose for 20% off for 12 days only from December 16th to December 27th, only at nothingiswasted.com. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. You know, you've been, you've said a couple things already about this idea of, you know, for you personally, kind of becoming more aware, you just use the term awakened to some past trauma. We found that this is more, this is the case more often than not, that especially early childhood trauma gets suppressed so much. It's part of your, your body's physiological response of survival, but even so much suppressed that you don't even remember a lot of it until later. As you're doing some work, you're becoming attuned to it or awakened to it. What were the things that really began to kind of cause you to become awakened to this? And, and how, you know, with that, how do we make sure that we become aware of some, if there's some things hidden deep that we need to uncover? 
Yeah, I think for me it, it started, Davey, just with my wife pointing out, uh, mm. you know, wow, your response to that was really strong, you know, whatever that might be. Um, huh. And, you know, maybe we should talk to somebody. And, and so we, you know, we started meeting with a, a counselor who um, lives nearby. His name is Chip Dodd. He wrote a book called yeah. Voice of the Heart, which is really, you know, a great book about stewarding emotions and stewarding our stories well but mm. but really it was it's been through working with chip for the last couple of years that um you know he's been able to name some things that that i i didn't really have a category for uh you know and saying things like you know that the childhood that you had was not normal um but if it's all if it's the only childhood you know when you're a kid you think well this is normal but it wasn't um, it was, it was, it was, it was a dangerous childhood. It was, it was, um, you know, one in which I had to always be on alert yeah. and, um, and he said, and, and, and he said, that's not normal. <laughs> and, and so it gives you the freedom to say, okay, um, yeah. you know, I, I am the way that I am in the worst way that I am the way that I am. Yeah. Um, in a way that was influenced and informed by things that were done to me. And so the things that were done to me are not my fault, but now I have a responsibility, you know, to your point, Davey, yeah. to, to take what has happened to me and, and put it under Christ and um, do the work that's necessary to heal uh, and, and move forward uh, as a healthier person. And so, yeah. You know, I feel like that's a lifetime journey, don't you? Of, right. of, um, you're never done healing uh, from yeah. stuff, and so. Man, that's but that's so been true. helpful. You know, you, we call him our expensive friend, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you need an expensive friend because your your <laughs> friends or your church small group just don't have the insights into your heart and into yeah. your story or the expertise to help you with certain things. And so yeah. that's been immensely helpful to, to us. And it's hard to envision stopping um, because it's been so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you're, as you're talking about that, I keep thinking about the idea of like generational sin, you know, this concept in scripture that, that we see where, um, where one kind of like sin or, or methodology of life is passed down inherently. And, and, and we, we don't even realize, but we're just absorbing some of the things that our parents or our grandparents taught us. And some might say that seems very unfair, you know, to your point, there's so much that is done to you growing up as a child, you're absorbing and learning things or catching kind of these, these methodologies of how to cope with life. And it's not serving you well later on. Um, what, what, any insight into that as far as what scripture, how it speaks to these kinds of things, you know, obviously it's great for us to have a counselor, but in, in addition to that, you know, what, what, what would the good counselor, what would, what would Jesus, what would scripture kind of talk to us about when it comes to sorting some of these things out? So, um, I think the Psalms are, um, are so helpful and essential to, to answer that question right mm -hmm. um because you know the psalms are are really just a, a a way that god has 
given to us. He's actually handed it to us, handed the Psalms to us as a way to process um, you know, the emotional impact, the deep, visceral, heart-level impact of, of life, and, and of life in a fallen world. And so, you know, as I've done my work with Chip, for instance, um, you know, he's identified eight core emotions uh, mm. that are all there in the Psalms. And, um, and what, what the psalmists always do, whether it's David or Sons of Korah or Asaph or whoever it is, they always just boldly name uh, their hurt. They, they, mm-hmm. they, they name it. They, they, they aren't worried about offending God uh, as if God, you know, can't take it and gets, yeah. his, gets his, you know, feelings hurt and is so insecure that he can't handle our complaints when, meanwhile, the Psalms are there inviting us to complain yeah. and inviting us to suffer and struggle out loud not not in a disrespectful way, but but in a very honest way right. with God and with 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 where we're coming from, and so so those uh, those those eight core feelings that or emotions that that we've been given that that show up in the Psalms uh, are sadness, anger, fear, hurt, loneliness, shame, guilt, and gladness, um, hmm. and and there are healthy ways, and there are there are unhealthy ways to express all of those emotions. But one thing that was remarkable to me when, when we started going through this list of eight emotions is that the, there's only one of them that is an emotion that feels good. Gladness. <laughs> yeah, all gladness. of the others feel bad. You know, <laughs> I was all, just about to say that. <laughs> I know, but those are our emotions. And, oh. and, and, and um, what a beautiful um, you know, testimony of who God is that, that, that he recognizes how impactful our brokenness is Mm. that he's given us seven different ways to, to process it. Right. So like sadness isn't working for me right now, but, but I've, I've got anger. So I've got to ask the question, what does it mean to have righteous anger instead of unrighteous anger or I really can't get angry right now, but I'm so sad or I'm, I'm so lonely. Um, and I can take that to God and surround myself with, with healthy people, you know, who can help me process those things. But, you know, the first step is, you know, to, to the question is, is to be able to name it. Yeah. And, 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 and then after that, like, like the Psalms do, to process it in light of who God is and in light of what God's character is like, right? Um, And so, um, you know, when we put our circumstances and our sorrows and hurts under the nature of of who God is as revealed in Christ, that's where we find the purpose, right? Because he doesn't, he comforts us, but but he also says, all right, I'm going to also take your pain uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you rejoice in it because, right. you know, my people rejoice in their sufferings um, because suffering produces perseverance or endurance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope ignites the love of God in our hearts. And, and you know, you've got Paul's thorn in the flesh teaching in 2 Corinthians 12. You've got you know, Romans 8, 28. You, you know, you've got, you've got so much there, all of Romans 8, really, right. um, that that demonstrates that, that even the very worst things, even the things that Satan would want to use to destroy us, mm. God takes it and turns it into good. And, right. and, um, 
And so there's always hope, there's always possibility. Your story, Davey, and the way that you have stewarded is case in point, that, that God can take something that's intended for evil yeah. and turn it into something beautiful uh, in the saving of many lives, you know, to, right. quote, to quote scripture. So That's right. That's right. I always like to quote your mentor, Tim Keller. Um, he said something to the effect of, uh, I think this is in Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, he said that God gives evil enough space that it will ultimately terminate itself. Yeah. That something yeah. within something within this this transaction where he allows the evil in this world, it catalyzes something that to your right, what you just shared in scripture, that it's producing something in his saints and his people yeah. that is ultimately going to lead to the undoing of evil altogether. It's this masterful plan that he has. And That's part right. of that masterful plan is allowing the suffering. I mean, look at the cross and the empty tomb. Right. Case in point. Yes. That. Absolutely. Scott, can you share us share us with us a little bit about your your journey? You've been so open about this with with anxiety and depression, you know. And I know you said earlier that a lot of these things that we've already talked about, some of them may have impacted that, some of them may not have. But can you can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that journey? Yeah. So I, I mean, really, it, anxiety and depression for me, um, you know, they've sometimes come together, but they've usually come separate. And usually when I'm going through a season of anxiety, there's this, there's this sense of doom, like the sky's going to fall, uh, like, you know, the earth is going to break open underneath me and I'm going to fall into it. Um, and, and it usually has to do with, you know, some sort of irrational fear of loss, right? And mm. biblically speaking, that, that, that is always... Um, you know, if it's not, you know, sort of the physiological, chemical kind of anxiety, which is, which is, I think, separate from the kind of anxiety that I'm talking about. Um, mm. uh, Circumstance-based anxiety, circumstance-based fear um, can always be traced back, in my case, to uh, my heart elevating something to a level of importance and a level of significance um, that, that it's not entitled to. And, you know, I fear losing this or I fear not having that. And, you know, it's just this sense of doom about the future. It's, you know, worry is like this. It's, it's, it's meditation. It's committed meditation on a hypothetical worst case scenario. And the gospel's answer to that, uh, which is usually my pathway out of anxiety, especially with things that, you know, aren't changing. Yeah is that the long-term worst-case scenario for every person who believes in Christ is resurrection and everlasting life mm. and a perfect perfect world. Like, that's as that's bad right. as it's going to be 100 right. years from now for you and me, right? That's as bad yeah. as it's going to be. And that's also as good as it's going to be. Um, you know, uh, C.S. Lewis talks in his, his writings about how the life we're living right now, we're still living in the prelude. We haven't even gotten that's right. to the first chapter yet. Um, wow. of the life that we were made to live. And it's, it, we're, we're still in the prelude. And, and as long wow. as we're affected by sin and suffering, we're, we're still in the prelude. And so, um, so there's that. But, you know, depression tends to, um, tends to come when there has been a deep loss. Mm. Um, my mother died, for instance, a couple of years ago, which, which I, actually I was happy for her. She had, 
you know, been suffering from Alzheimer's for 10 years mm. and everybody was ready, you know, for her to go because we had already lost her for all intents and purposes. Yeah. And, you know, she had a baby faith in the Lord and so we had a lot of hope. But, but her death actually triggered a, a lot of, you know, sort of the, a flood of some of the, the stuff from our childhood. And, and, yeah. and, you know, for both my brother and I, it just became this season of sadness and lament and, and, and just feeling down, down, down. But um, in every case, the Lord's always brought me out. And, and you know, I, I don't want this to sound cliche because I know to some people it sounds cliche to quote Romans 8.28, right? That's like always the go-to for people who are a lot like Job's friends who have never actually <laughs> deeply suffered themselves. And, yeah. you know, they quote the verse, which is true, but they don't personally know what they're talking about yet. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to be too cynical about that. Right. Friends are trying to help <laughs> friends. Um, right. But that, but, but that being said, Romans eight twenty eight is true. And, and one thing that God yeah. says in Romans eight twenty eight is that he works all things together for good. He doesn't say he works all things for good, right? What happened to yeah. you is not good. It's right. not good. What happened to me? Not good. Right. And we can name it. We're supposed to hate that kind yes. of stuff. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. That's good. But, but yeah. he says he, but he does say that he, he works all things together. Right. So you take what happened to you, Davey. You take, you know, what happened to me or what's happened to others. And you, you, you put it in with everything else. Right. Who God right. is, um, you know, who we are because of Christ in the, in, the, in the sight of God, what God is, you know, the work that God intends to complete in us yeah. that he's already began. Uh, you take all of those ingredients and you put right. them together and our suffering and that's our right. sorrows and our sinfulness and our guilt and shame that, that, that's dealt with at the cross. You put, it all, you put it all together and God produces good from it. Um, one of the illustrations I like to use uh, is is banana bread, right? So, <laughs> so banana. I love banana bread. I love that that we call it bread. So, so I don't have to, you know, think that I'm eating a cake, which is was <laughs> really what I'm doing. But the main <laughs> the main ingredient in banana bread is a rotten banana. Yeah. It's something that none of us would dare That's try true. to eat by itself, right? Like right. by itself, it's not good at all. But you you. You put it in, and it can't just be any banana. It's got to be a rotten, brown, nasty, yep. slimy, rotten banana. Wow. And, and you mix it in, and that's the magic that, that, that comes out of the oven after you put the, you know, after you heat it up. And, wow. and so it's a picture of how God, you know, just takes the worst things. Um, yeah. You know, 11 of the 12 disciples were martyred. Almost everybody right. who wrote a book for the Bible, like almost every Bible book, was written by somebody facing execution. They were, were writing from jail, or they were in exile. They were yeah. enslaved. Uh, you know, their their horrific experiences gave us the Bible. You know, yeah. and and so I could go on and on about that. I feel like I yeah. have gone on and on about it. But that's oh, so great. If you like listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast and want to hear more from our previous guests, we have a whole library of bonus episodes you need to check out, where we bring back guests who have already been on the podcast to add to their interview with helpful resourcing, advice, and topics that supplement their already incredible interviews. 
this month, that bonus episode is with Ron Deal, who was on episodes 172 and 173 of the podcast. One of them was with his wife, Nan, and they share about their story of losing their son. And one was by himself talking about his work with blended families. We wanted to bring Ron back on the podcast to have him dive deeper into his wisdom about blending families as we are in the midst of the holiday season, when blending families and co-parenting and grief can sometimes be the most difficult. Ron's work has always been so helpful for my personal journey of blending a family, and I think it will be an encouragement to you as well. If that is part of your story or you are involved with any families who are working through that themselves, here's a little preview of my conversation with Ron Deal. There are some step families that are not very complex. It's one home. Uh, they don't have children moving back and forth between homes, maybe just uh, two or three sets of grandparents. But there are other blended families that are listening right now, and they have three, four, five households, uh, seven, eight parents. I interviewed a couple not too long ago for my podcast called the Family Life Blended Podcast. And this couple had 22 sets of grandparents connected to their children. If you want to listen to this entire bonus episode or any of our other bonus content, or you just want to support our ministry with a monthly gift, head to nothingiswasted.com slash partners and sign up to make a recurring monthly tax deductible donation of $20 a month or more. If you're hesitant about committing to $20 a month, you can start a seven day free trial to preview the bonus content we have under our partner program. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash partners. I feel like that, you know, we'll say things as pastors um, and, you know, kind of assume that like one of the things I say a lot, a lot is, is we need to apply the gospel to these particular situations. And I would be remiss if I, you know, I mean, you, you write for the gospel coalition, you come out of a phenomenal heritage of really sound Orthodox theology when it comes to the gospel. And, um, what does that look like practically when we say, okay, the gospel saves, right? It's the thing that brings salvation, but it's also the thing that we apply to these particular situations like anxiety, depression, you know, how do, how do, does that application look like just a moment of, of remembrance of realization? Does that look like a methodical step-by-step over time? Like when you say that's what I do to kind of like the pathway to, to move out of anxiety, to move out of depression. For the sake of our audience, what does that look like, Scott? It is a grind. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Thank you. It's not easy. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy. It feels when you're in the season, right? Yeah. You know, my wife and I have this phrase: "Do the next faithful thing," or mm. "Or do the next hopeful thing," right? And and you know, it's one step in front of the other. I mean, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient is each day for its own trouble. Um, And, and right. I mean, today is, you know, that's Jesus' way of saying, be fully present with the issues of today. 
recognizing that my mercies are going to be brand new tomorrow. Tomorrow may be a hard day too. Next year may be a hard year. And, and so one of our elders prayed this beautiful prayer. Okay. So this is an elder in our church Mm. who has a, a child with autism and down syndrome, both in Mm. one child. And it's, it's just been the beautiful boy um, with a yeah. lot of struggles. And, yeah. um, and their oldest son uh, has been diagnosed with uh, a terminal form of leukemia. I mean, he's, mm. young, he's in his young 20s, newlywed, and they're just going through it. And this, this, this guy, um, there's a group of us, we were praying together, and, and he contributed to the prayer and he said, Lord, and this really stuck with me, stuck with me. He said, Lord, bring us relief. And he was talking about, you know, the pandemic and all the hard mm-hmm. things everybody's going through. He said, bring us br- relief, but not without the revival of our hearts. Wow. In other words, if you must keep us in the crucible in order to do your good work wow. uh, in us that, 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 that you intend to do through this, um, then don't let us out. Don't, don't bring us to a place of relief until our hearts have been formed. Don't let us waste this season. Don't let us obsess about escaping that which is hard to the neglect of what you're trying to build in us and what you're trying to make of us yeah. through it, right? Because even Jesus learned right. obedience through what the things that he suffered. Even the perfect exactly. man had to go through it. So, um, so I, you know, the older I get, Davey, right, my, my body hurts after a workout, you know, in ways that it didn't used to. And, yeah, I'm getting signs, signs and signals of mortality, right? And so, <laughs> right. you know, I, I think just getting older helps um, with endurance. Like, been here before, had plenty of reps with, with yeah. disappointment over the years, um, and I can't look back on a single season and not remember God coming through. Mm. And so it's got to happen again, somehow, some way, uh, yeah. according to his timing and according to whatever he's up to. And so wow. I, I think endurance is, it's coming slowly, uh, yeah. in ways that it wasn't there before. But to your question, it's, it's a grind. Uh, it's yeah. like daily rehab on a, you know, on a busted Achilles, right? You just, I mean, it hurts. Like, right? You can't just get up and start running like a gazelle. You've, you've yep. got to do the work. And yep. spiritual life is a lot like that. You know, people ask, how did Tim Keller become tw- Tim Keller? Mm. Here's how. Read the Bible every day for 60 years mm. and pray through the entire book of the Psalms at, 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 at least once every single month for mm. 60 years and suffer. Uh, He's had cancer. Uh, His wife has suffered with Crohn's disease for decades. Um, And and it's been a grind. And you may have heard the interview that he did with Justin Taylor and Kevin DeYoung a while back where they asked him, how's your fight with cancer going? Mm -hmm. And, And he said, I've never been fighting with cancer. What I'm fighting is my heart's response to cancer. Wow. I want to finish well. And the other thing that he said, Davey, in that, in that interview is, 
it's remarkable, but my wife and I are happier than we've ever been uh, dur during the season. And this is while he's, like Paul says in Romans 8, facing death all day long, like it's the front and center. Yeah. He's got terminal incurable cancer, um, you know, pancreatic cancer, and, yeah. and, and yet he's finding joy in, yeah. in that place, like Paul yeah. found joy in prison uh, in Philippians. Wow. As he wrote Philippians. Well, it's, you know, as you're saying, it is pain and suffering is the necessary crucible to refine our heart, to sanctify our heart, which is so frustrating, right? Because as someone, you know, I'm not sure what your personality bent is, but mine's an achiever. And I'm like, well, can I not refine my heart by doing things <laughs> or by, you know, and, and the Lord's like, no, you can't, you can't. Yeah. You, it, you try to achieve and I'm going to refine your heart. As you yes. lose, at you lose yes. at things that you really, really want to win at. <laughs> it's, yes, it's a grind. So I, I wing three as well. So I'm I'm the achiever, but I'm a I'm a four. So okay. like my pri my primary is the kind of the tortured artist type, but yes. but my wing is three. So so I, yeah. I I understand where you're coming from there. That's that's so interesting. I'm the f exact flip flop, a three wing four. And so when you talk about some of these, you know these spaces of being in kind of a melancholic, you know, easily can slip into that depressive type state. I can resonate with that because I can just let my feelings kind of wash over me and just stay there. And, um, and that's a very, uh, I, th I feel like it's an, it's a benefit and a disadvantage all at the same time. The benefit being you don't whitewash your emotions. You really explore them, which is a necessary step. But the disadvantage is that you can easily kind of get, you can get stuck there. Yeah. Can. Yeah. So, you know, Scott, you know, as we kind of close this conversation, it's been phenomenal. I so appreciate your time. I would love to hear as you're kind of looking out on the forefront, what's going on in, in life right now and in ministry, um, what gets you extremely excited? You know, as you're, We've talked a ton about the pain that you're walking, that you've walked through and that you continue to wrestle with and battle with. But, you know, we love to talk about the purpose that gets produced out of that pain. And it's, it's, it's purpose that really um, kind of galvanizes that meaning and, and for what we've walked through. What is, what is some of that that really gets you, that gets you excited to wake up tomorrow and go, hey, this is the work that I get to do, or this is the thing that I get to partner with God in every single day and turning this pain around? Well, I mean, one is I love our church. You know, I, I, I hear so many stories about, you know, pastors that are just worn out, especially from COVID and yeah. all that that's brought in terms of, you know, inner church conflicts and things like that. And, it, you know, it's not been a walk in the park for anybody, including us, but, you know, I feel myself emerging from this season feeling more affectionate for the team I get to work mm. with and the church that I get to serve than I ever have before. Uh, and wow. so I'm looking forward to whatever God has in store in days ahead for us as a community here uh, in Nashville. Yeah. And so, so there's that. Um, and as timing would have it, you know, per the purpose of, of your ministry, my sixth book, which I think is probably going to be the most important one um, that I mm. write, uh, is coming out in June, and and it it kind of dovetails from your mission. Uh, it's called "Beautiful People Don't Just Happen," uh, and the subtitle is "How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans." And so, 
Wow. Um, you know, wow. this has really been my headspace for for the last year and a half to two years as we've put that project together. So I'm, I'm, I look forward to seeing what God might do with that. Wow. That's exciting. That's awesome. Well, one of the, one of the things, I mean, now discovering that you're an Enneagram four, not to like, especially as an Enneagram four, put you in a box, you know, because that's the last thing fours want. But one of the things I love about the four is you can see beauty in everything. That's right. But in order to be able to see beauty, you've also got to have your eyes open to tragedy. That's the, that's the rub. You've got to, you've got to hold both in tension, but hundred percent, right. It's, it's what they call the tortured artist's personality. Um, you know, you, you feel heaviness really heavy, but, but you're also able to appreciate beauty, including the beauty of God in, in remarkable ways. Mm. Wow. It's incredible. Well, Scott, thanks so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate you making the time and you sharing some insight and some wisdom for our community. And, and we just really appreciate your work. I'm looking forward to that book coming out in June. We'll make sure that we put those resources up on our, um, on this page. Great. And, uh, awesome. and thanks again. Thanks again All for right. spending time with us. Thanks. My pleasure. Well, a massive thank you to Scott Sauls uh, for joining yeah. us, Davey. I loved your conversation with him. Yeah. And I think it I, it was surprising to me because, I, and maybe it surprised him, maybe not, I don't know, but I think I expected him to go one way and then he started talking about his childhood trauma yeah. and really uh, walking through that right. as an adult. Right. And I, I found that to be... Um, I found this to be really, really interesting, this concept that here is this man who, you know, for all intents and purposes, the world looks at and says, wow, he's this kind of quote unquote successful pastor, right? right? Got a thriving church, again, written all of these books, speaking all over the place, quote unquote, like famous in Christianity, which I hate saying, but, you know, that's true about him, at least in his circle. And, um, yeah, here he is as an adult, and the Lord is saying, "Now's the time I want you to." Yeah, now's the time I want you to dive into some of the yeah. painful childhood trauma that you never did. I think a lot of us look at these people and think, like, "Oh, they must have passed that test yeah, already exactly. to be where they are." Yep. Mm-hmm. But here he is, even now, walking through some of that stuff. There's something really, um, right. really meaningful in that. Yeah, it, it. I think, you know, I've heard it said before that. Um, God's going to use a couple of main things to be activating agents or catalysts to our healing and to our sanctification. Um, one of those things is going to be marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Because we, mm-hmm. you put the selfishness of our lives, whether you've dealt with trauma in your past or whether you haven't, we are all bent towards self. And right. that's our major disease, right? And so yeah. we put the selfishness of our lives, we, we paired up in the same household and same room, same life with selfishness of somebody else and you're that's going to become <laughs> right. this magnifying glass and you're going to see yes. just how selfish you are it's going to clash and um and so that becomes one of the agents for your sanctification and then you have kids and kids becomes right. another one right because right. it applies some pressure to your life and throws it into this uh in some some does. in some regards tailspin that you're like man i okay i got some work that i got to do i'm i'm pretty yeah. selfish and then yeah. the other one i've heard though is 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 ministry leadership? Mm, okay. Now we've oh, I've heard that, that in that context because of what I am a pastor and leader, and so I'm sure you've mm-hmm. heard that as well. 
But that mm-hmm. becomes an agent for your sanctification. I think all of us can understand that as we are diving into purpose and particularly how we're relating to other people and interfacing with other people in that purpose, it's going to bring pressures into our lives that are going to cause some things to surface that we've never dealt with. And that's what we see right here with Scott is as he's leading, right? And as he's experiencing yes. this pressure, it's pulling some stuff out of him where he's like, wait, why am I, why am I d- reacting like this in a meeting? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I reacting mm-hmm. like this to the people I lead when I, yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, there's some stuff I've got to untangle in the past. And kudos to him, right? That as his wife shares this with him, as his wife's like, hey, uh, there's some stuff going right, on you, here that he yes. had the humility to listen and to take heed. That's what I was thinking. I think a lot of us would be like incredibly defensive yeah. or ignore that or just um, almost roll your eyes. Like, well, right. no, that's not true. But the fact that he had the humility to go, okay, yeah, something is going on here. I do think this is a this is a word for all of us that if we are maybe reacting to something in a way that feels like it's bigger than it ought mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's up there. Like there, that's yep. a, that's should be a signpost. Like, Ooh, the Holy spirit wants to do something yeah. there. There's, there's something being triggered that the Lord wants to bring that is healing to. So, so good. I mean, like pause there for a second. Cause like that, that is kind of the, I mean, that's what we talk about with triggers, right? Yeah. That's the definition of that. But you almost don't know in a lot of cases, I mean, in some cases you're going to feel that visceral physiological response, right? But you almost initially don't have the self-awareness to know that I'm reacting bigger, you know, mm. in a way that's, that's bigger, that's not congruent with, with what this situation is. And you need right. somebody else who's going to be yeah. able to illuminate that to you. Right. And, uh, and then, and then again, you have to have the humility to listen to that. And I think right. that's the only way that we're going to experience, um, healing is, and we're going to be able to step back and go, okay, there is something that's, that's happening right here that I got to investigate a little bit further. I I also think too, like another word for us from this uh, conversation that you had with Scott is not to be ashamed of wherever we are in life when the Lord brings up stuff Mm -hmm. that we need to deal with, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or Mm -hmm. 70, it doesn't matter what stage you're in. Um, I mean, the fact is, if you could step back long enough and see it this way, that means the Lord is still at work in your yes, life. And that's actually right. something to be celebrated, you right. know, that, oh, God is not done with my healing. God is not done with my wholeness. God is not done yeah. shaping me into Christ likeness. There's something really, though hard, right. something really beautiful in that. But I think sometimes we can think, we, oh, no, 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 I'm to the point now where I'm fine. <laughs> I'm too old to go back. Or I, no, I wow. don't need to. But the freedom that comes when we're willing to do that, no matter the age or season of life. Yeah, that's so good. That's is so really, good. yeah. And really no powerful. matter the position that you hold yes. in people's there lives, you go. right? Like, there you go. You think Davey. about Moses yeah. in scripture, you know? I would say most of Moses's sanctification happened between 80 and 120 years old. <laughs> that's so crazy. Don't you think? You're right, though. right? Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, from the time he's 40 to the time he's 80, he's essentially sidelined. Like he's on the backside of a desert. We don't hear much about him uh, and how quote unquote effective he was for, you know, Mm. God's people for the kingdom. But Mm. man, when he was 80 and he goes and he leads the people out of Egypt and he brings them into the, into the wilderness and wanders around, I'll tell you what, God was doing some major untangling with Moses right there, you know, and the trauma that he had experienced, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Um, And so it's, it's good. 
I think that's an encouraging thing that God's working on us until the, the moment we take our last breath mm, and, yeah. and, and he still sees some kind of fruit that can come out of our lives. Right. Like that whole, that whole phrase, if, if you're not, if you're not dead, God's not done kind of thing. Mm, right. Like That's so good. There's yeah. some, there's some kind of fruit that can be born out of our lives. That's going to be a healing for other people. If we'll just, if we'll step into those invitations that he extends to us through our quote unquote triggers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Oh, man. I love that. Man. So good. Well, with that in mind, we are passionate about you partnering with God, whether it's uh, dealing with those triggers, dealing yeah. with pain from your past, dealing with childhood trauma, dealing with depression, anxiety, in any any of your pain points, we are mm-hmm. passionate about you partnering with God to take back your story. And so we would love to invite you right now to go to nothingiswasted.com. You can find out um, about all of the resources that we have for you there. There's the Pain to Purpose course, yeah. which we have for churches and individuals. So this is something you can just um, purchase on your own. You can do as like your Bible studies. You kick off the new year. This might be something that you want to do. This is also available for churches to do almost as like a ministry in their church right. to walk people from their pain into their purpose. Yeah. You can also hire a certif- certified guide, and that's somebody who will walk with you side by side as like a travel companion through a healing journey. Um, And for others of you, you can join a community group. We have all, how many community groups are there now, Davey? There's a few dozen. I don't know the exact number, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have a ton and they spread the, the breadth of topic community groups of all kinds of things that people have walked through and and want to find hope and healing for and want to walk with other people who have been there. You can find right. all of that at nothingiswasted.com. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe to our email list so you don't miss out on anything that we're um, that we're putting out there, the resources we're providing, announcements, different um, different helpful tools and resources. Um, and we want to make sure that you're following us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davy Blackburn and at Obsamp. We'd love to connect with you there. And we'd love to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can download and stream all of his music anywhere you can download and stream music. Music.